Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. And my name is Joanne, for those of you who don't know me, and I am the founder and the CEO of Rare Birds. And I have been away for some time, and I have rebranded my business. Uh, it's gone from Seeker Birds to Rare Birds, and I thought it necessary before launching the brand and the new podcast to introduce myself to introduce myself to those people who are new to the platform and to reintroduce myself to those who have been following me on this journey and to help um, sort of foster and enable this conversation. I've brought my lovely friend Esme in London. Hello, hello, Joanne. Hello from London. Hello, my gosh. Hugs, hugs, hugs. And she will be facilitating this conversation. So rather than me doing the interviewing, she's going to interview me. So I will hand it over to Esme now. And (gasps) yeah, Esme, do you want to tell people a little bit about you, though, before we start? Absolutely. So my name is Esme. I am a theatre maker. I'm a poet um, and a fairly long time friend of Joanne's. I think we've known each other now, my gosh, four years, just over four years. Had such an interesting career that has spanned, you know, across two decades. and I just wanted to talk to you a bit or want you to talk to us a bit about your career journey and the kind of work that you've been involved with, the kind of work that you've done and and, and how it's led to uh, Rare Bears, to the person that you are today. Yeah, ooh, that means I'm old. Okay, so <laughs> I'm 41 now. Jeez, I can't believe I just said that. But anyway, that is not old. me. That is not old. <laughs> <laughs> Young at heart. Okay, so my career actually began in an industry that has nothing to do with what I'm doing now, Um, the real estate and construction industry, way back in, Jesus, 2001, when I graduated from university. I didn't study real estate. I didn't study construction. I actually studied um, environmental sciences and international relations. I wanted to work for the UN. (laughs) I wanted to do development work. I wanted to heal the world, quote unquote. Um, But through my studies, I realized that there were were only two camps at the time. Either you went and you worked for um, a nonprofit or an NGO, and I didn't particularly believe in what they were doing, and I felt like they were always broke, at least back then, or you tried to get a job with the UN or the IMF, and I didn't also particularly believe in what they were doing. So I was kind of stuck. There was no social entrepreneurship back then, you know? It was just kind of go work for an NGO or go work for one of these um, non-governmental institutions, Bretton Woods institutions, as they're called. So I ended up getting recruited. I was in DC at the time, and I ended up, I went to American, so I graduated from there, and I ended up getting recruited to work for a real estate company called CoStar, which has since um, grown, and it's, it's like the major like a global leader in in information for real estate. So yeah, did that for a few years and then decided, okay, this real estate thing is interesting. And I moved to London and I did my master's in real estate investment at Cass Business School. And then I did another master's at Kingston in management and construction. Then what happened? 2008, because I moved to London in 2006. 2008 happened, that was the financial crisis. So, okay, let me go back. When I was working in DC for the first four or five years, I I still felt the need to be in that 
sort of nonprofit world. So I used to do a lot of volunteering. I volunteered with a lot of organizations that were working in Africa, that were working in development with women, et cetera, et cetera. And I ended up almost doing consulting for them. So doing everything, managing programs, running programs, all alongside having my full-time job. So it's like I always had my foot in this in this kind of world. But um, so back to 2008, graduating from university was a financial crash, so I couldn't get a job. So for the next two years, I started doing that again. I was doing freelancing, but this time writing, and I was working in a call center. <laughs> I was doing all sorts of crazy stuff, anything to make money. And then in 2010, I got a job. I worked at Barrett um, for a while, left there, went to Turner and Townsend, um, did a brief stint with Ballymore, and then that was it. It was over. And I said, okay, it's time to move on from this. <laughs> but I had this idea of Secret Birds came to me in, when was it? Sort of July 2014. Mm-hmm. And before I decided to leave that entire industry behind, I started feeling like it was time to move on anyway because I was becoming really, you know, when you know you're not working in your purpose, I don't know if you know what that, Mm -hmm. yes, yes. I Mm -hmm. think most people know. I feel like I was in this real estate construction world for a long time. I kind of did a lot. I did a lot of things. I was a researcher. I did the development management. I did the consulting. Like I, I did everything and it wasn't very fulfilling. Number one, that industry had a lot of issues. Number two, like gender issues and God knows all sorts of other things like most of those high powered industries do. Mm-hmm. And it, it just wasn't my thing. So I always knew that I wanted to get back into that sort of passion. But like I said, back then there wasn't, there weren't any social enterprises. So social enterprises and social entrepreneurs and kind of this hybrid entrepreneurial thing only started coming about in the last few years. So I got this idea again, the idea just came because I was thinking, I want to do something. What do I want to do? And I remember, you know how London is. There's all these events happening in London all the time. I used to go to a lot of events, like startup events. And I always felt like there was something missing. So I said, let me try to start my own thing. And I did. The business model didn't come until four years and five months later. But the long and short of it was I, I didn't entirely know where I was going with this Secret Birds thing. But I knew something in me just said, stick with it. So I stuck with it, right? And a lot of opportunities, once I did leave that in December 2014, a lot of opportunities started um, coming to me, like the UN Women work and participating in in a lot of women's networks and women's activities. And like there was um, opportunities to participate in book projects, And then I was invited to participate in the Women's Economic Forums in India. So there's just a lot of opportunities started coming to me. So it was just validation that I did the right thing and it was time to move on. Mm. And um, yeah, so the, the, the point is I've never really had a career that was based on a trajectory. And I know now that I'm a creative. <laughs> I'm And I'm not, but this is not something that I knew before because Growing up in my day, quote unquote, you just kind of studied, you got your degree, you got a job, you know, and it wasn't very in, it wasn't, I, myself and just my peers, we weren't necessarily encouraged to do artistic things and creative things. It was more about doing the stable, serious, quote unquote, careers. 
Um, but it took me a long time to realize that I am a creative, that I'm quite, um, I've got a lot of ideas and I, that's what I'm good at. You know, I'm good with ideas. I'm good with connecting dots. I'm good with solving problems and coming up with solutions. So in terms of teaching now, how I got into teaching before I, I left that industry behind, I started doing guest lecturing. I did a few guest lectures at Greenwich and I used to do a lot of work with, I don't know if you remember the economy of ours. They were quite big in London a few years ago, startup community. So I started doing a lot of like workshops and teaching and whatever. And I realized I liked it, not being a teacher per se, but cultivating knowledge and learning and sharing information. So that just seemed like something that I could get into that came naturally to me that I enjoyed. So I did more of it. So I left London at the end of, not at the end, near, in 2016, in the summer of 2016, after the Brexit debacle, went back home to the Caribbean, did a training certification in teaching, and then came to China. So now I'm in China and I teach entrepreneurship to secondary um, school students. And yeah, the point is I've never, again, I've never, I've never had just like one career doing one thing. I've kind of always been all over the place. That suits, that suits me. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But I know, I know I'm not a corporate person. That's not Mm. me. That's not my style. It's not how I operate. It's just, it's not my thing. I'm too much of do my own thing, think for myself, think out the box to be in the corporate world. I don't know if the corporate world has changed, but when I was in it, it wasn't for me. So. Mm, mm. I think um, two things is the one, I know why we're friends, because I think yeah. that there is always a side hustle going on. There's always a, there's always a, this is a main thing. This is a side thing. This is another thing. This is a thing I've been thinking about that I want to just work in. And this is a passion project and this is going to turn into something else, um, which is funny. Um, yeah. But also I think that the um the type of bravery it does take to kind of leave the comfort of a you know a solid job and to say that yes whilst I have been surviving doing doing this job and you know making money it's the it's the stuff on the side that has really taken my passion and has inspired me it's the collaboration with other people that's inspired me so to to just say actually do you know what I've I've had this this uh, long long timeline of experience. Uh, I know what I do here, but actually, I'm gonna take this leap of faith and I'm gonna work and and do what I want to do. And I'm gonna start Secret Birds, and it's gonna change and and evolve into Rare Birds. is is phenomenal. It's amazing. Thank you. And what I do say to people when I introduce myself to people, I had a um cons- I had one of many people that I work with, and he he said to me. You know, it's very boring when you say to people, I run Raybirds, I do this, I do that. He's like, that's not what people want to hear. He said, people, when you introduce yourself to people, you've got to demonstrate to them your passion. So I always say to people, I identify and I motivate talent, particularly young people and women. And I do this by using entrepreneurship as a tool. So I teach entrepreneurship in school to young people and I identify women, early stage, high impact social entrepreneurs, and I motivate them and, and help them through my platform, Raybirds. So my focus right now is entrepreneurship. So that's kind of how I explain what I do. And most people get it. And some people just kind of go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. So um, I want to kind of then go back to 
you know, four years and five months ago when yes. Secret Birds, you know, Rare Birds, formerly known as Secret Birds, was starting out. Yes. And I wanted to ask you kind of what were your specific goals when you went out and said, this is, this is what I'm going to do? And have you achieved those goals or have they changed across time? Kind of what has been the process and, and what have you learned as this, as your kind of own personal brand has evolved, as this community has evolved? Yeah. Wow, that's a good question, Esme. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, goals. Honestly, when I first started Secret Birds, there was no plan. There was no goal. There was no nothing. I just knew I wanted to do something for women like me. Women like me who have ideas, who are slightly confused about how to bring all these ideas together. You don't get a lot of support in the early stages of your business. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm from the Caribbean. There's women from Africa and women from Asia. This is the developing world. This, this challenges are even more difficult for us. So I started honing in and honing in until I specifically identified my niche. So I didn't have a clear goal, but the, the goals came over time. And it came because I made a lot of mistakes and also because of the audience, the community. It was like, okay, they want more of this. People responded well to this, but they didn't respond well to that. And goals, I'm always setting new goals. I'm always achieving a goal and moving on to something else. So I can't say that I've achieved one specific goal, but I've definitely hit some targets, you know, like coming up with a business model was a major target and it took me a long time. Like I said, four years and five months to do that. Coming up with a viable business business model, coming up with a, a brand and a name and a clear vision for where it is now, where I want it to go. So in terms of that, yes, there's that goal, but it's, it's always going to be changing. I mean, the next stage is to add the investment aspect of things, which is based on a hybrid financial model that I'm working on at the moment. So yeah, there's always new goals. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. Does that answer that question? That absolutely does. That absolutely yeah, does. Yeah. Um, I don't have I'm, one goal. I don't have one goal. I feel like I have many because that's just how my head is all over the place. Mm. <laughs> I think that that is so important, you know, the kind of set out, the going out and saying, I don't have like a, I don't have one specific goal. I just know what I require. And I also know that I'm alone in these requirements from the world from from my professional space from my career it's a and I'm just going to actually bring together a group of people so we can all kind of work this out and provide a service that that helps us all that really benefits yeah. us all and you it's get validation as you go along and you realize oh people like this people want more of this like I met someone she's actually my mentee I won't say her name. She'd probably be really shy if I said her name. She's based in Guadeloupe and she's listened to all my podcasts. Mm. And I'm like, really? Like all 100 of them. And she's like, she contacted me and she said, and like, she's like, I've listened to all your podcasts. She knows every podcast. When I'm in conversation with her, she can actually repeat things. I was studying my <laughs> podcast. I was like, you even heard the scratchy ones with like the dark barking in the background. She's like, I've heard all. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so when you realize that there are people out there that are listening to you and actually validate you and they believe in what you're doing and you're adding value for me, it's all about adding value. The moment I'm not adding value, I'm moving on, you know, and mm. that's the validation. And that's, that's the kind of thing that keeps you motivated and that keeps you going. So that's been, I guess that's also sort of like helps me to redefine my goals as well. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, so we're not going to go into too much detail, but you had to take a break for the first eight months of this year. You had to actually stop for a while. That yes. <laughs> you had yeah. to stop. And we're going through this rebranding, and I just wanted to talk to you a bit about what was that stop like for you, and then what has been the kind of process behind the the development and rebranding of of Secret Birds, which is now Rare Birds, um, yeah. and why why now? Why, why right now? Okay, so the stopping was difficult because I, anybody that knows me knows I'm always doing stuff. There's always something. There's always, like you said, one idea, but five others behind too. But I'm, I've learned with time that it's important to focus and I'm, le- I'm learning that multitasking isn't always the best thing. It's hard, but it was important to stop because if you if you if you're always going 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 and you're not reevaluating like you mentioned goals and achieving goals and asking yourself am i going along the right path and always remembering why why did you start why am i doing this is this making sense then um you know you kind of lose lose focus so mm. stopping was difficult but it was very important so I had to stop because my consultant and I were working on the new website and that took a long time because anybody who's been following this for a long time knows that Secret Birds had a lot of content. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there was yeah. a lot of content because when I first started, I was doing everything. I was blogging, I was writing various articles, I was doing the podcast, it was just a lot of stuff. So a lot of that ha- I had to get rid of, but I had to decide which content to get rid of. I had to decide how am I going to integrate this new business model. There was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work, more than I actually anticipated. And it's just me. So it was, I mean, I've got external consultants, but it's just me. I don't have like a team yet or anything. So it was very difficult, but it was important to stop. And then I had some health related issues that forced me to stop anyway, but I'm good now. So that was hard to answer your question. That was hard, but it was important. And what was what was the next part? What did you ask? Was um, there... It was so the development and rebranding, and also the why now. So the why yeah. why was that rebrand happening right now? Right, because I have I've I have a business model, and I told myself when I first started, if I don't have a business model and a foundation, I gave myself five years because I started in 2015. I was like, if I don't have my act together by 2020, I'm done. So. Mm. That's what I told myself. So why now was because there was a moment back in 2018 where I had, I just had it all figured out. I was like, this is what it's going to be. This is where it's going to go. And this is what's going to happen. So it was time to rebrand. Um, it took a long time, but it was worth it. It was a extremely, um, huge, like just massive learning curve, but an important learning curve. Rebranding is very difficult, very difficult. I mean, Everything is different. Secret Birds was like this pink purple thing. And now Rare Birds is completely different colors, completely different look and feel. You never saw me on the Secret Birds website. You were on the Secret Birds website, remember? I was. I was. I was. was. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and now it's just me. So that's the why now. And why December? I feel like there's a part of me that. Someone told me once, look at what everybody else is doing and do the exact opposite. <laughs> so in December, that's when everybody's winding down and 
people are slowing down and I, I guess I want to be different. December is when I want to kick things off, when mm-hmm. I want to get things geared up. And I guess because, you know, I live in China and Christmas, Christmas isn't really like, it's a thing, but not like how it is in the Western world. So it's not like I feel this push to slow down or like there's the holidays, not like how it is in the Western world. So it's easy for me to to do that here. And it's easy for me to just continue doing what I've always been doing. And I just, I don't know, I like it. I like the idea of starting something in the month of December. I think it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. I think it is too. I think it yeah. is too. Yeah. Um, so. We're going to change gear. Um, sure. Just a light question. You're living in Shanghai now. What's your favorite thing to eat now you live there? <laughs> oh my gosh, favorite thing to eat. I'm always eating. I like the same stuff I used to eat when I lived anywhere else. I love Turkish food. <clears throat> I love um, hot pot, which is Chinese food. Um, and I love, like, I eat, you know, I'm, well, I'm pescatarian, dabbling between, kind of moving between vegan and pescatarian at the moment. So I love trying out all the vegan cafes in, mm. in Shanghai, in Shanghai. I'm obsessed with cafes and coffee shops. I'm always finding new ones. And Shanghai is such an eclectic mix of old and new, of Asia, China meets the Western world. It's just really dynamic. So there's there's all these like really antique bookshops that looks like looks like they were once houses that you can go hang out in and have coffee and tea. So favorite food and favorite things to do. Shanghai is really dynamic. I love Shanghai. That's amazing. How long has it been since you lived there now? I moved here in August 2017. Mm. So that would be what, two years and four months? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, yes, yes. And I'm finally studying. Oh, yeah, you must. You must. I've finally started studying Chinese. I'm on my sixth lesson. Ooh, and it's okay. fun. Yes. It's fun. And I enjoy it. So, yeah. To become proficient at the language to HSK level six. So, I'm really excited about that. And yeah, China life is great. I love living here. Amazing. Oh, amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, so we're going to go back into gear, back gear change again, little segue okay. into, you know, you live in Shanghai now. You've lived there uh, for over two years. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wanted you to chat to me about, about traveling, about moving around, because um, it's something you've done a lot. It's something you've inspired me to do. Um, yes. And I just want you to talk a bit about how important traveling has been, uh, not only to just extend your professional network, but also to kind of like learn and build yourself up as a person. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that, tra- like you said, traveling has definitely extended my professional network because wherever I have lived, I've established relationships relationships that I still continue to maintain. And it's funny because I've actually met people in Shanghai who know people in London, who know people in, like, it's it's crazy. The world is much more connected than we realize. But um, so that's been really good for building a global brand, which is what I'm aiming to, to develop on and, and to get to. But from a personal perspective, I think traveling and just having to, um, just moving around generally, it makes you highly adaptable. I, I meet a lot of people, particularly here, who come to China from different countries who just, 
they just don't make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it, it, it re- definitely requires a certain mindset, but I think when you move around a lot, you get used, you, you adapt very quickly. You get used to different ways of thinking. You, you know, you're not necessarily intrigued by so many things. Certain mm-hmm. things don't bother you. Different people, different mindsets. You just like, okay, that's, that's how you do it. Okay, fine. Let's just do it that way. And yeah, it makes you resilient. And I think it makes you more tolerant, obviously. Mm. And there's just a lot of pros that you get for moving around. I mean, I guess the only con that I can think of is that you don't necessarily put down roots anywhere. But if if that was something that I valued, then I wouldn't be traveling around. So mm, this is true. Also, yeah, you I always think... have somewhere to go back to, I found with traveling, is that, you know, you will live in a place and actually you'll kind of end up having these roots in different places and you'll go back and you'll say, oh, there's a friend here, there's a family member here, there's someone I consider family here, there's someone I met briefly and who had a really good connection with and I want to try and rehash that when we meet again. Yeah, I mean, obviously, home is always going to be in the Caribbean. I go home every year. The good thing about teaching is that I get lots of time away. I get like, what, two and a half months off in the summer. So I get to go home. Um, I do get to travel a lot more now than I did before. But um, I have a home, quote unquote, to go to. But for me, home is wherever I feel loved. And I can feel loved anywhere. And I can adapt anywhere. So I'm okay. That is wonderful. What a gorgeous piece of advice. Yeah, uh, but it's not, it's not, I, I realize it's not for everybody. I mean, I've always been really independent. <laughs> I mean, I always knew. I grew up on an 84 square mile island. My parents are from an island that's what, 62 square miles. I always knew that I wanted to leave the island. I always knew that I, there was a big world out there. I always knew that I would, I would be out there, so to speak. So I think that's just always been me. So I think some of it is just personality and just who you are. Um, but, yeah. Wonderful. Um, I guess yeah. on that sentiment, I just, I remember um, before I actually started university, you said, find your tribe. Find your tribe. Yep. Which is such a good I always attach that to you kind of when pe- people have said kind of maybe it's like like different versions of of that phrase to me but find your tribe um has become a really important way as to how I navigate the world um and I just wanted to know that like curating these these tribes these spaces um is such a big part of Rebels, is such a big part of your brand um and how did you how did you start getting into doing that how did you because you're a collaborator at heart yes. i believe i think you're creative but you are also a collaborator um yes. you are someone who demonstrates that they work best with others and i just wanted to hear a bit about your practice uh your your professional practice in kind of curating these communities but it's based on shared values. So it's based on friendship. There's some kind of friendship there. We've connected in some way. I've gotten to know them over time and we've just clicked. If I don't, if there isn't something, if there isn't a value there that's shared, it's just not going to work. <laughs> and okay. that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, people, people see the world in different ways and you're not always going to connect with everybody. And that's all right. You know, I still, I'm still happy to support people and, connect people and whatever but if there's no shared value then there really isn't a an opportunity to collaborate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
that's yeah. oh, that's important that is so it's important. very yeah it's very straightforward with me I've actually had somebody ask me this one of my mentees recently said to me well how do I know how do I know who I want to collaborate and I said well that's that's what you need to figure out like where do you begin what are your values I think it's no different to any other relationship like if I met a guy he's you know, going to be sizing me up and I'm going to be sizing him up and we're going to, you know what I mean? It's like a dance back and forth, back and forth to kind of see, is there something there? And I feel like it's just, it's no different with business. You have to establish a foundation and there has to be trust and then shared values. And then from that, it just flows, you know, like you, I will be sitting down here and I'll get a message from somebody on WhatsApp who's a friend someplace else. And they'll say to me, hey, I met this person, da, da, da. I have to connect you because I think you guys will hit it off. And boom. And the same thing with me. And it's just like a sustainable relationship long term. Like I've got these crazy WhatsApp like <laughs> communication going on. <coughs> so, yeah, we're always connecting and we're always talking. And yeah, and it's very simple. It's very simple. It's just all about shared values amazing um yeah speaking of shared values um and you also meant uh mentioned a lot of your mentees um yeah and you're a teacher as well an educator you've you know you've guest lectured we've talked about kind of wanting to go back into this kind of academic space and and what that means but i just wanted to ask a bit about how you found joy in in mentoring uh young people and then also kind of uh notable women who were who were kind of you've recognized to be quite a talent in in startups and in entrepreneurship yeah it's all connected i think that i don't I don't say I'm a teacher like how I've got teaching colleagues who, you know, they got masters in education and mm. all these special certificates and all these fancy things. And they know all they know all the education policies and oh, God, Bloom's taxonomy and oh, God, they could spit everything. And that's great. I don't see myself. I, I have a lot of respect for the profession. I don't see myself in that way. I think I'm someone who I'm very good at identifying talent in a person and I think I have one of my skills we all have our skills and our gifts I think one of my gifts is being able to cultivate that help people to find and their talent and to cultivate it and I think that's what a teacher does um, when you're in the classroom you're always trying to figure out how to teach your your students better how to how to figure them out you know I've got some students in my class they don't listen to me until I say something about the NBA <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden I've got their attention. So it's about figuring that out. It's about bringing out the best in your students. It's about trying to make the curriculum interesting so that they understand you've got to be innovative. And that's the same thing with mentoring. Like over the years, I've learned that there's nothing like, I guess I used to think like a mentor is like some really special person that's so wise, but they're not. It's just someone who's got a sort of expertise in the area that you don't. And you're mm. going to, we're all going to need different mentors at different stages in our lives and I'm just happy to be able to help people in whatever area they feel that I can help them in and it's just like being a teacher it's, it's all connected it's all about cultivating that talent and it's the same thing with um <laughs> with rare birds when you're in the early stages of your business you don't know what you're doing I mean I didn't mm. know what the hell I didn't know what the hell what I was doing I was just all over the place and that's okay um, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I empathize with that and I understand that. And I think that you need someone who can guide you along. You need, you have to be really patient because 
when you're in those first few years and you don't know what you're doing, it's very easy to give up on yourself. And you find a lot of people, they can be very dismissive of you. Like, okay, you're all over the place. You don't know what you're doing. But it's it's not that you don't know what, I mean, you don't know what you're doing. You just need direction. So yeah. I've always been good at helping people to figure out what works and give them direction. And, you know, there's some people, some of my mentees, they're very structured and they want to talk to me every month. And there's some who I hear from them every six months. And there's some who just randomly send me WhatsApp messages and it's whatever work, it, whatever works, but it's, mm. it's all about cultivating talent and ensuring that people aren't wasting their skills. Mm. I think that's, that's really, that's really what it's about. I think we all, there's a lot of, unorthodox people out there with talent and skills that aren't being appreciated. And I think uh, there are a lot of people who could be really successful at entrepreneurship if they were given an opportunity. So I'm just trying to make sure people aren't wasting their talents. Um, And it's very, it's very satisfying knowing that you've helped people along the way. Yeah, actually that is, oh yeah, that is so important. I mean, I, I don't gain any monetary gain from it. It's what I, what I gain from it is just, it's just all good vibes. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. We love that. Um, So so I'm nearing the end of this kind of exchange with you and I'm, I'm sure we'll kind of go on, we'll go back and forth some more. Um, But I wanted to ask you kind of what is the most transformative uh, piece of advice, words of wisdom that you have received throughout your development of rare birds, secret birds in the kind of past kind of four or five years? Yeah, yeah. I think there isn't one. There's been so much, so much, so much. Because, you know, these first 100 podcasts that I did, a lot of people, probably, I guess, don't know this, but it was me learning. It was just me trying to figure out what I, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? And I spoke to all those women and I think there were like three guys in there or two guys. No, three. And I learned so much. I really, really learned a lot. Like it was just talking to these experts. But I think the one thing that has remained consistent from different people, podcasts, mentors, uh, books, everything is to know who you are, like everything starts inside, you know? Mm. And if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what you want, if you, if you don't, you know, you don't have to figure it out right away. It takes a long time. Um, but you have to have some kind of idea of, of who you want to be and where you want to go. And until you've got that straight, you're always just going to be that person that's kind of all over the place, Mm. all over the place in a bad way, not like, okay, (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do that today and I'm going to do that tomorrow, but you're never going to be able to stick to and commit to one thing. Um, Like I do, I do have a lot of little side things that I work on with different people, but they're always connected back to rare birds. They're always connected back to entrepreneurship. They're always connected back to social impact. Like everything goes back to who I am and, and the stuff that I believe in and what's important to me. And it took me a long time to try to figure out how to bring all of the things that I'm passionate about together. And that takes, it's like self-discovery, you know? Mm. And I'm always learning new things about myself as I go through different stages of my life. I mean, the woman I am now is not the woman I was when I was in my 30s. So, yeah, discover yourself. Know who you are. Be your own best friend. 
Mm. Be be the person, be focus on being the person that you want to be. That takes, man, that takes time and hard work. Seriously. There's no shortcuts. And sometimes you 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 can do that very publicly where people are just kind of looking at you like, oh my God, this person has lost it. But they don't realize that you're you're transitioning. Or you can do that very privately. Mm. So self-discovery. Yep. That's it. Okay. Um and last question. Um yes. just kind of pulled from what you were saying today. It was just yes. this five years plan that you had and you said you know I've always heard you talk about this five-year plan you know if it's not done by 2020 the the (laughs) idea the passion gets dropped and I'm horrified I'm like oh my god how could you work on something for that long and just say if it doesn't happen then it's not happening um but it's a good way of sparking a fire under your backside to be like we're going to do this it will get done it's good you've got to put a deadline for yourself in this idea having this clear goal you know once that becomes clear it's a matter of of uh when not if Um, yeah because i i don't want to be someone who's working on the same idea for 10 years and it's not going anywhere that's not realistic rare birds is just one idea i've got loads of ideas and (laughs) loads of things that i want to do and i'm quite happy to move on you know it's been a good ride i've Mm. learned a lot it's been amazing but it's time to move on Mm. and i told myself 2015 to 2020 and that's it so I'm glad that I got there. It was a lot of hard work and there's still more to go. But I don't know where Rare Birds is going to go. I don't know how it's going to evolve. I, I don't know where it's going to take me. In a few years, it might it might be something completely different. But yes, indeed, I did, I did give myself that. And I think it's okay to work on something and to totally immerse yourself in it for that long and then walk away. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think it's okay. Just like how I meet people who say to me, I've been doing this for 10 years, but I'm tired. It's time to move on. It It's not a creative outlet anymore. I'm no longer adding value. I think we also need to know when it's time to walk away mm. from our, from our projects mm. because there's so many, there's so many other things out there and you know, we've got to grow as people. <laughs> um, Don't we? We absolutely <laughs> do. That's such a learning how to walk away is an amazing, amazing phrase just yeah yeah it's a parallel it's a it's a it's a it's something for life you have to know when to walk away from your startup from your job from certain relationships from people from ideas we constantly have to keep auditing and learning when to walk away amazing yeah. Oh my gosh, Joanne, we've reached the end of my questions. Um, Yay, you did. Um, are there any final words you would like to say to all of these gorgeous people listening to your community, to to this kind of uh, global global community you fostered? I'm doing a lot more innovative things with the podcast this time around. There's going to be less of me and more me and other people. Um, I'm collaborating with people to do interviews. I'm working with experts. I'm doing a lot of series. I just wanted to change it up a bit. I kind of got tired of hearing my own voice Mm. and I want to be more of a listener than the speaker. Podcasting has made me a better listener. It's maybe made me better at um, engaging with people on a deeper level and learning to listen and not speak, not cut people off. I've gotten a lot better at that. So I want to do more. I want to do more innovative things with my podcast. I want to add more value. I want to have more interesting and deeper conversations. So get ready for that. And I want to have more events around my podcast where we can continue the conversation. So 
get ready. It's gonna be cool. I'm looking forward. And I hope I hope you I hope you like it, and I hope you like listening to it, and I hope you've learned a bit more about me today. Hello, everyone. So that's it. That's a little bit more about me and what I've been up to and what I'm working on now and the future of this platform. Uh, the most important thing that I'd like you to know is that it's always evolving and it continues to grow and change because of the people who support it. So let's continue to grow and evolve together. And I'm really excited. So yeah, look forward to the first podcast series, which is going to be launched next week. All right, then. Bye for now.